0: Hello and welcome to the Pixel Swim Podcast, episode 60. I am Steve Heinrich, your host, and this is the podcast where I take a dive into my personal journey through design and technology and where they meet, plus other tidbits I find interesting. This episode is being recorded and released on Thursday, March 14th, 2019. Uh, Visit Pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links if you want to follow along or leave any feedback. It's always appreciated. And yeah, again, that's pixelsweep.com. I'm still on Twitter quite a bit. I don't post a ton on there, but I do uh, scroll through there probably too often. So uh, that's probably a good place. Or Miwi is also good now, and Google Plus is nearing its death. So, but I'm still posting there for any, any stragglers who, who just can't let go. But either way, let's go into our weekly feedback, notes, and the links. Uh, I don't know if I have any links specifically today, but let's start with our feedback. Actually, you know what? I had a note here before the feedback. Uh We actually here in uh, Valparaiso, Indiana had a tornado warning today. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't had one of those in March in a while. Uh It was, you know, it's kind of a surprise because uh, the sky had looked kind of weird and the clouds were low hanging and. Very windy and breezy, and it got a lot warmer today than it usually and then it has been. And so we actually got some alerts. And my, my my wife was home today, and we both got alerts on our phones first that there was a tornado warning in our area and to seek shelter. And then there was also the the alarms, the city alarms, and <laughs> where where the sirens were were set off a couple times. So yeah, we. Luckily, we've we we sought shelter for that. So <laughs> but everything was fine. Everything's good. I think it was a little east of our city here. So but yeah, I just thought I'd mention that because it was kind of kind of strange for March, especially in these parts. But either way, let's go into the feedback for this week. Uh, first off was Keith Bartlett on the discuss comment section on the show notes page which you can see on every episode on on the on pixelswim.com there's a little comment section it's a good place to to leave any feedback but he says he personally likes the idea of his phone being able to wake up to raise the alarm most of the Symbian phones and most of the feature phones are able to do this if you use your phone you might are if you use your phone to get up in the morning you know it won't let you down whatever must remember to turn the the alarms off though, if you have them set to repeat, and yeah, that's true. And I was actually thinking about this more because I was talking about the N nine waking up from being powered off to sound the the alarm that I had set, and I was kind of was on the wasn't sure if I liked it last time, but I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought that that was actually a pretty good idea. Um, and I kind of wish that <laughs> it was available on Android. And then Keith actually responded that he thinks that it has something to do with the chipset. Uh, and maybe the qualcomm the Qualcomm processors or something to that effect and I think that might actually be the case if you think about you know powering on a phone from from power when it's powered off uh, waking it up it, it, that's definitely seems like a, a chip level thing so uh, thanks Keith for leaving that feedback on the page that was interesting to talk about how old devices compare to new, especially with all the devices that I've been talking about lately so And then on Twitter, actually, Franco, I think it's his username on there, reached out about the the password manager Keeper. And this is actually one I have come across this in the past. Uh, he says he uses it. He likes it a lot. And I think it's pretty fairly cheap, just a couple bucks a month or something to that effect. And it is actually cross path platform. I'll put a link to Keeper in the show notes. I like I said, I've come across this on almost every platform on Windows, Windows Mobile and Android. Uh, those are my my big platforms. So yeah, clearly, it's still it's a it's a very well supported and cross platform password manager. Uh, so I'm going to look into that a little bit more. I'll get I'll get into a password manager update in a little bit here. But uh, thank you to Franco for suggesting that. And it's definitely on my radar. Now I actually kind of let my last pass trial expire (laughs) and just actually went in and deleted my account. I don't think I'm going to use LastPass. Uh, It's just not, uh, it just never really got started for me. Never really had the motivation to to get that started. So uh, thanks Franco for reaching out about that. And I think that's all the feedback for this week. I'm sorry if I missed you, (laughs) if I missed anybody else's feedback. Uh, But let's move into the next thing, which is the LG G6 weekly report. (laughs) <laughs> and actually, this will go into a little bit of something I'll talk about. in shortly here is that I installed the Opera touch browser on uh, my LG G6 as the main browser. And I'll explain why uh, in a little bit here. <laughs> but that's basically the the one big thing I think I did on my, my G6 this week. One big change on that uh, to, to try that out. So and like I said, I'll explain a little bit more. Shortly, but yeah, that's that's the short LG six re- weekly report. So <laughs> uh just to keep me accountable and uh you know, reporting back on it so I don't get too tempted to switch to something else. But either way, let's close the LG six weekly report. I feel like I should probably insert some old-timey news feed beeping or something to that effect. <laughs> but anyway, uh let's move on to the next thing, which I I actually moved this up in my notes. So yeah, let's talk about that Opera Touch browser and why I sw- I am trying that out on my Android device. And I think the biggest thing is that this week I act or this last weekend I believe it was I actually switched over to op the Opera browser on my desktop PC. Uh, it just what was happening is Firefox was really kind of struggling um, to not struggling in the way that you could just it it was taking up a lot of processor power I could tell and like a lot of the the animations on the web that are clearly using some sort of JavaScript or something to that effect just the rendering of the pages it was just struggling um it was you know firing up the the processor a lot and and getting the fan going and then not running super fast or well and then certain things I you know just I gave Firefox a really good run, and I'm not saying I wouldn't go back to it, but I decided to try out Opera again because I've actually tried it in the past. A couple of years ago, I was using Opera as my main my main browser just because I kind of <laughs> like to go off the beaten path a little bit. And uh, Opera's been around for a long time, especially in the mobile world. So uh, since the last time that I've used Opera. It's actually improved quite a bit. And if you didn't know, Opera is based off of the Chromium project as well, which is obviously what Google Chrome browser is based off of. And the Microsoft is moving towards that. So yeah, Opera is is built off of that. So it runs, it actually runs everything really well. Like I said, it's been massively improved since the last time I used it a couple of years ago. Uh, It's on version 58 now. I won't bore you with the all the other dots after that, but uh, okay, maybe I will. It's 58.0.3135.90. That's the version number for the <laughs> for anybody looking at their version number if anybody's actually using Opera on the desktop. The last time that I that I was using it a couple years ago, it was actually having some scaling issues in Windows 10. Uh, this is kind of a, a thing that Microsoft is still working through with Windows with a lot of apps and trying to get apps to be to scale well on high resolution displays. And it was last time I was using it had problems. And it just, you know, I eventually think I went back to Chrome. So it's part of the reason why this time when I was having kind of struggles with Firefox and and trying to, you know, kind of uh, trying to convince myself that Firefox wasn't struggling, I just eventually decided to try out Opera and, yeah, it's way faster. It, it runs very well, very efficient browser these days. I would say even more so than Chrome itself. Uh, the I've noticed that there is very little processing power and RAM uh, comparatively being used by the Opera browser, and I I honestly would suggest checking it out if you're on a PC and, and using it again, you know, trying it as a, as your, <laughs> I wouldn't say, you don't have to switch over, just try it out. You know, you can install multiple browsers. So I think Opera is actually worth a go these days. I mean, they they add some unique features to their desktop client. I think it's really nicely designed. I think they, they do a great job. So, and that's part of why I came back to it, but yeah, that, that kind of explains why I installed the Opera touch browser on my uh, LG G six, because I, there's a, you know, there's a, an account that can sync between all of your opera browsers. Uh, there's a few different opera browsers, opera browsers. I keep saying that it sounds weird, but either way, the, the opera touch version of the browser on Android has, it, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say modern, but it's, you know, it, it has a more sleek interface and part of what kind of connects. One of the things that I wanted to try out to connect these the browsers is they have a uh, feature called Flow, uh, FLOW, and basically it, it's almost like a, a an instant messenger between your browsers. So say you're on your mobile device and you can send something, a piece of content, a link, a page, some text, or something, whatever an image to the flow you can send it to your flow if you're signed in on both browsers. And essentially, it just is like a little chat window between the two. So if you jump onto your desktop, you can go into the flow chat and see the the links or content that you shared there. And it makes it a little easier to to share between. And I know there's ways to do this with other browsers, but I thought the Opera's implementation was pretty good and kind of makes sense in a little like chat sort of way. And Yeah. So I've been enjoying it again, using it. I I didn't necessarily want to go back to a Chromium browser, but if I was going to, Opera was going to be it. So and I've been happy with it overall. And it's kind of a big switch to make browser wise, I guess, especially when I was so adamant about using Firefox. But it was just getting, you know, it starts to slow you down. And after a certain point, you just have to kind of reevaluate, you know, the fact that you need to, to work quickly through through the day. And, you know, you can, all those little slowdowns uh, certainly add up. But yeah, I just wanted to mention that because I've been I've been using Firefox for a while. And uh, I can definitely recommend uh, Opera and its current iteration on Windows. So all right, so moving on into the next part of my notes here is and I kind of mentioned this within the feedback section is it, uh, an update on my password management. Uh, I just want to keep this <laughs> keep this going. Uh, I finally did transfer all of my passwords from NPass to KeePass. So now everything is officially over there. I just manually went in. I didn't try to do any sort of export and import. I didn't want, uh, I just wanted to make sure it was curated well into KeePass. And when I say into KeePass, that's the desktop application on Windows. Uh, it's, you know, the one that kind of looks archaic a little bit. But it works and it works well, you know, and then the the database files is just stored on my on my OneDrive. So that's uh, nice and easy. And obviously, I've been talking about wanting to do this. And this weekend, I just kind of sat down and hammered it out. And and now I'm officially over into the key database, uh, which again, is like an, an open source uh, database uh, for password management, encryption, stuff like that. And so, like I said, I have my file on my OneDrive, and so essentially now, because there is no, there's not necessarily an official KeyPass app or application on every platform, uh, I do have to, you know, you have to go through and find solutions for different for different platforms and browsers and stuff like that. So my setup for this now, the the, all these apps that can access my KeyPass. Database. Uh, the The first one, which was the most important, was through the desktop browser, uh, which is Opera. <laughs> now, uh, I find I, I think I've talked about it in the past, but basically, it is KeyPass. Tusk is the name of the browser extension that I use for for the browser. Uh, and it's, it, it's a you know, it's kind of an intuitive extension because it just loads in your your database and it knows based on the url that you're on which entry to load so you can auto fill the the passwords and usernames on certain pages and stuff like that and you can obviously search through all of your entries if you didn't happen to have a url in there and it doesn't automatically i don't think fill in those those forms for you but there is a a button <laughs> in the extension window so yeah it's it's honestly not that big a deal I don't sign in you know a million times a day but and, it, and and pass was kind of working similarly anyway so it's it hasn't it's not much of a change honestly if I'm if I'm comparing the two so the keypass husk is the browser extension of choice uh, I already mentioned that I'm using the official KeyPass desktop application for my PC, uh, and then on my Android phone. And I've talked about this one in the past because I've installed it on my LG G6. Is the KeyPass to Android app, and that basically is just an, an app that can access your KeyPass database and you know, via OneDrive as well. And it you know, it has the the option to authenticate your your master password with a fingerprint so you can use the fingerprint sensor to log into your your password database which is really nice nice and fast so uh and then on windows 10 mobile of course i am uh, one of the big reasons why i even wanted to move away from NPass pass uh, is the reason is because i wanted an app for windows 10 mobile at least some support there and there's a, a variety of KeyPass apps. And I think on All About Windows Phone, they've actually covered those in the past. Uh, Steve Litchfield's covered a few of those apps in the past. And I think this is the one he uses too. It's called KeyPass Reader. And it is a read-only app on Windows 10 Mobile, which is not the biggest deal in the world because you can still access your database and copy your passwords into web forms as you need them. And that's pretty much all I need on, on Windows 10 Mobile. So that's uh that's my setup so yeah we've got the desktop application the keypass husk browser extension keypass to android for android and then keypass reader on windows 10 mobile so everything's set up that's my 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 official password setup as of right now but i am still keeping an open mind as far as other solutions go and that's why i am going to look into that keeper password app that uh, franco suggested so i'm going to look into that a little bit but i just wanted to <laughs> to get away from npass uh no you know no offense to them <laughs> i just just i was done you know i didn't i didn't like that experience so happy to be back in the the open source world but yeah, overall, that's my my update on my password management. And if I if I find another one that I think I might switch over to, I'm going to keep trying other ones. And if you have any suggestions for other ones that I haven't mentioned on the show. So far, I think LastPass, I mentioned a bunch of times now I've mentioned this Keeper app. And I think people have mentioned other ones. But if you have one that you use that you like, uh, just let me know about it. I would greatly appreciate it. All right. So moving on to the next section of the show here is uh, or the next thing that I want to talk about anyway, is that I got the Lumia 640 and the Microsoft Lumia 640. So that's uh, one of the hopefully last phones that I will get in for my archive. And before I get into it, I just want to remind everybody of the the general overall specs of the, the Lumia 640, just the general, I'm not going to go too in depth here, but it does have a five inch 720 by 1280 screen. Uh, And this was released back in 2015, April of 2015. And I remember it was released with Windows Phone 8.1. It has one gigabyte of RAM. It has a 2500 milliamp hour battery, an eight megapixel camera on the back. And it has a Snapdragon 400 in it. It comes with, uh, or did I say eight gigabytes of RAM? <laughs> I may have. It has, uh, oh no, I said one gigabyte. It has eight gigabytes of onboard storage. Uh, sorry about that. So this definitely was not a high-end device back in the day, but for a budget device. And if you've used a Windows phone budget device back around this time period, I'd say about two thousand any, any of them, really, most of them from 2012 to 2015, I think there was some great, budget options but this was one of my favorite Windows phone devices this Lumia 640 I did use it for I think almost a year Uh, the camera's not super great on it but it is uh it's it's serviceable (laughs) so yeah I just wanted to give a quick rundown of of the specs of it just so you can get an idea of what kind of phone this was um and there is a little bit of a story for the one that I got in uh, from, off of eBay, uh, they sold it, it was basically as new. And when I got it, yeah, it was it's in it was in brand new condition. Now the charger had obviously been used, but it was the original charger. So I think the phone was used, it just was in very, very good condition. And they had a, a lot of uh like four or five of them. But when I fired up the device, like, I was super excited to get it, because it's been a while, you know, since I've had the 640. It was actually stuck in reset protection mode and a huge ugh (laughs) when I saw that. Uh, And it was kind of tipped off because they wrote it on the box as well. They wrote reset protection in red pen on the box. And I thought, uh, okay, hopefully that's a mistake. And they didn't mean to write that on there. But yeah, it was indeed stuck in reset protection state. And essentially what that means is that the previous owner Uh, enabled an option called reset protection where if the phone is factory reset that that you either I think you either have to sign in with your Microsoft account on the device itself or you have to enter a reset protection key which is I think of like a Windows key (laughs) for your your software license uh, you know like about five boxes of of randomized numbers and letters and so basically, the previous owner would have to remove the device from their Microsoft account uh, in their devices section in order to kind of get in order to sell it on. And so I didn't it, it was it was really, it sucked, you know, when, when I saw that when that popped up on the screen. Uh, but I thought and I figured that if I returned it, they would probably just sell it the same way to someone else. (laughs) And so I did some research. I didn't immediately go onto eBay and, you know, hit the negative feedback and hit the return button or anything like that, which I, you know, and maybe I should have, but I just did not feel like that was the right thing to do at the moment. So I was doing some research and uh, of ways to get around that reset protection. And I did find a tool or a tutorial Uh, a way to get around it. And let me just put it this way. (laughs) So there's a tutorial. And I'm not sure if I want to link to this or not. But it it did work. Uh, Overall, it did work. But it's one of those things where you I think it's like a flashing process. And I just wanted to put this question out there because I feel like I've been in this situation with multiple phones now is have you ever been hovering over (laughs) the button or a key press that Was about to start a process on your phone that you thought could potentially mess it up or brick it. (laughs) Has anybody been in that situation and then still press the button? Uh, That's kind of the situation that I was in with this 640 with this process because I didn't know if it was going to work or what the deal was. Uh, But it it, the process took a long time and, uh, like I said, it did work. And essentially, what it did was uh, they they on this tutorial, they offer a download page where you download this huge package. And in it are some Nokia drivers, which I don't think you actually need if you connect the device to Windows and let it load up like it usually does. Uh, recognize it. Uh, and I think you're good to go after that. But the other part of it is it did have, I think, uh, I'm not sure what the tool is. Uh, I think it's called like IU tool and it comes with that and then a a bunch of install packages that it sends over the to the the device and this just said for this tutorial just said for lumia so again that was another thing where i was waiting for it to just fail because of it didn't you know recognize the device or something to that effect but uh i was you know i thought why not <laughs> and so i clicked the button and i let it run forever like i said and it did and it worked like i said already too but yeah it actually put a version of windows 10 mobile onto the 640 because i know when i fired it up it had windows phone 8.1 on it which wasn't a big deal cuz that's kind of how i wanted to try it out at first and actually looking now after the fact of after doing all this uh, I don't think there's a an official way to get Windows 10 Mobile on this Lumia 640. Uh, the version that I got is the T-Mobile version here in the U.S., and I think that's part of the problem. But you cannot do it through the Windows Advisor Update Advisor app anymore. It will say that it is not compatible, at least on this 640 T-Mobile version. Maybe other 640s will do it, but i i could not I could not find a way. To do that, and I'll get to why I (laughs) even checked. But um, I did contact the eBay seller after I finished this because essentially I flashed this Windows 10 mobile version and then did a hard reset after the phone rebooted. And it basically loaded up into the Windows 10 mobile startup process where you put in all of your information and connect to everything. And it did not have the reset protection anymore. So you could get right in and, and use it like normal. Uh, so it did work. That's what I mean by it worked. And so, like I said, I contacted the eBay seller and let them know like, Hey, you've, you know, (laughs) you lucked out because I'm a huge geek and I, you know, uh, I was able to get around it and this is what was on it. You know, they had the reset protection and basically sent them to the tutorial and said like, Hey, if you're going to sell those other six forties that you have, You might want to try and run through this process and maybe just leave it on Windows 10 mobile. And uh, that way you don't have a bunch of angry customers who are leaving negative feedback and uh, that you have to return the money to. So yeah, I contacted them. And I was surprised the next day, because I think I I did it, I contacted them in the evening. And so the next morning, they actually contacted me back and said, Hey, thanks. And sorry for (laughs) for the trouble that you had to go through. And they actually refunded me $20. So that was actually really nice. And I'm kind of glad that I didn't just immediately return it and, you know, leave negative feedback. And that would be the end of it. You know, I kind of went through this process and hopefully help them out to sell the rest of them in a state that people can actually use them because they're useless (laughs) to normal people who would get the phone with reset protection on it. And so, yeah, it's bad back. It was back up and running. Um, And I just uh, at first I left Windows 10 mobile on it. And the other experiment I did was I did Refla- well the first very first thing i did before i went through that that <laughs> nerve-wracking process that i didn't know was going to happen is i did go to the windows device recovery tool and try and load you know reflash the the firmware that microsoft has on their servers and it did not it didn't work it was uh windows phone 8.1 uh, some version of it uh, for this t-mobile 640 and so yeah that didn't work this reset protection was still there but then i went through that process the other process very unofficial process (laughs) and was able to get it to get around that so I did try after I got Windows 10 Mobile all set up on it I did go back to the Windows Device Recovery Tool just because I was curious to reflash 8.1 after the reset protection had been gotten around, or however you want to phrase that. And just to see if it like sort of reverted back the reset protection, but it did not. And so that's good news. So I can essentially flash it back to 8.1. And, and, and I tried that out for a little bit, and was able to, you know, log in and set it up as new. So anyway, uh, for now, I actually went back and, and ran that process again, the one that uh, put Windows 10 mobile on it. And I uh, actually like Windows 10 mobile on the 640. It's actually runs pretty well. And um, it's not uh, I mean, there's a little bit of lag here and there. But this isn't a high end phone. So it's not, you know, un- too much to get around. I'm not doing any really heavy lifting on the device. So yeah, it worked out well for me uh, with Windows 10 mobile on it. And it is some sort of I think there is, it may be some sort of Chinese variation of it, uh, of Windows 10 mobile, but it does have the English US uh, option on it. So, but I did, I have noticed some, some uh, Chinese writing in certain areas uh, of the device. Uh, I think like on the the phone call screen and stuff like that, Uh, which will make sense here in a second is I actually put my SIM card in it. (laughs) I took my SIM card out of my LG G6 and put it in this uh, Lumia 640 just to, because i I just wanted to and I actually used it for a whole day with my sim card in it I think last Saturday I took it out with me and yeah I just have missed it I missed using it and I kind of remember the things that I missed about it and I think really one of the things about it and I and I didn't really notice this at the time but actually the display on it is actually just really pleasant to look at um it's not uh, like a high res display that's like you know ultra you can't see any pixels on it you can see pixels on it but the color on it is really pleasant uh the colors are really bright and vivid and they they just look really good and you can tell like i was saying the overall hardware of it is is pretty budget looking i mean it's not as you know the most solid phone in the world but i just overall i think it's just a really pleasant device and i think that's what people who use the 640 kind of that's why they kind of gravitate towards it is it just is a little pleasant device to use. And it's, you know, the a cheap, <laughs> cheap, pleasant device, which is uh, nice to have. It's a nice alternative, you know, to, to certain other uh, not so, at the time anyway, some not so good budget devices, especially in the Android world, you know, and the Android budget devices have come a long way. And so back, you know, a few years ago, they weren't as good, And I don't know, like I said, the display on this is just, it just looks really nice. It's very pleasant to use. And I think it's uh, it's keeping me using it uh, day to day since I got it in the mail. So, and yeah, I've been actually using it to listen to podcasts uh, through headphones and through the speaker. The speaker isn't the greatest speaker in the world, but you know, it gets nice and loud. That's kind of one of the characteristics I've missed about the Nokia slash Microsoft Lumia phones is that usually the speaker, uh, or at least the ones that I've experienced have been pretty loud, uh, and, and clear enough, you know, to where they're not tinny or rattling or anything like that. So yeah, like I said, I'm glad to just have this back on, on or just have it on windows 10 mobile and to be able to use it again. It's just, uh, like I said, pleasant. That's my, my one word summary of the Lumia 640. And I'm, I'm, I am i do not know if I'll, uh, actually put it away anytime soon. Um, It's just been really nice to have back and I'm glad I I have it for my collection. All right, so let's go into the last uh, part of my my notes here for the day or for this week is that I have started searching for a solution uh, for my my hard drives on my on my computer. (laughs) Uh, And the part of the reason is that I have an external hard drive that I use for all of my work and all of my life files. I I guess I kind of divide it up between the two, but my current setup, so my I'll just I'll go over what my current setup is as far as hard drives go and kind of where I want to head with it. And so, yeah, there is a one terabyte SSD in this X1 Extreme in my laptop, and there's actually it's a PCIe drive. And there's actually another slot in there for another PCIe drive that I can uh, get a, another PCIe hard drive for, and which is nice that that's open. And then I have my my big thing is is that I have a two terabyte external uh, spinning disk hard drive, and that is always I've for the past few years, uh, I'd say four years maybe, I've had that mounted to the back of my laptop screen. I use these little 3M uh, like Velcro interlocking strips that are very, very strong. <laughs> so uh, it has no chance of falling off. But uh, I'll, I'll have to post about that some other time. I'm actually thinking about putting that in the whatever works group on Miwi uh, because I think it's kind of a it's work. It's a solution that's worked for me as far as mounting a hard drive to the back of my my monitor. And then the USB cord just goes from there to uh, the USB port on my on my laptop, so that's uh, that's the hard drive that I've been using for a while now, and that has uh, all of my like I said, my work and my life files. And I don't really want to mount anything to the back of this X1. I don't have it mounted; it's just kind of free flowing. <laughs> so essentially, just setting the hard drive on the desk and then connecting the USB cable. And I run backups on it uh, to other hard, external hard drives, old hard drives that I've had that I've put into encasings. So like I was saying, the the external hard drive that I'm using is a two terabyte hard drive. And there's actually only, I say only, I I know it's a lot, but there's 326 gigabytes free uh, out of those two terabytes. (laughs) So essentially everything that I've done for my job, which I've been at officially now for twelve years, is is on that drive. Uh, there's I broke it down and and looked at what each uh, what each uh, part of the drive is used for, and so my work is using up one point zero one terabytes of data. And that's everything that I've created basically since the day I started there. And then I have a folder for life, which essentially is a lot of my freelance projects and just other random kind of things, things for my phones and different things like that. So that's about 470 gigabytes. So that that adds up to 326 being left. And it's actually more rapidly filling up these days that hard drive that That 326 gigabytes of just about a week ago was probably at about 360 or 70 gigabytes free. So it's filling up, uh, very quickly because for work, we are doing a lot more video work and a lot more product photos. So the, and I take those in raw now. And so there's also Photoshop files being edited of those raw files. And so it's starting to just add up very, uh, you know, semi rapidly, you know, 326 gigs is, is, a you know, see a seem seems like a decent buffer. But like I said, it's, you know, not too long from now, that's going to be deteriorated. So this is part of why I am looking for a solution for all my hard drives. And I, I honestly don't want an external hard drive anymore. Um, I want to be able to have everything in the PC. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but, uh, let me just keep going through my notes here though. Uh, I think with the life folder, the one that's 470 gigs, I am going to move that to the main hard drive, all of that stuff to the main hard drive on my, my X one extreme, because it is a one terabyte hard drive. I used to only have a 500 gigabyte, uh, SSD in my previous laptops previous two laptops. So I never had room to put everything onto the, uh, the main hard drive on the PC, uh, the one that boots windows. So, uh, now that it's a terabyte, I can actually move those 470 gigs over to the main hard drive, which I haven't done yet, but I'm, I'm going to be doing that. Uh, and there'll be plenty of room for leftover for, you know, to, to grow on the main hard drive of the PC, uh, for my life files. Those don't quite, uh, grow as rapidly as far as taking up more uh, hard drive space but uh, for my work stuff it's going to be a little bit trickier because I'm sitting at just over a terabyte (laughs) which is unfortunate Uh, and I and really for that second PCIe bay in my in my x1 extreme here uh, I looked I was doing a little bit of research and there are two terabyte PCI express drives out there uh, but I was looking through the specs for the X1 Extreme before I, you know, got excited and was like, "Ooh, that'll be perfect. You know, uh, I think the this the specs for the X1 Extreme actually say that it only supports up to one terabyte drives in each of those PCIe slots. So I've got the one in there already. And so that open slot, I think I can only go up to one terabyte. So that kind of, like, <laughs> you know, a little bit of rain on the prey, but it still, is an option to put a one terabyte hard drive in there. Um, I may divide, you know, I may get a, a hard drive for that slot, another PCIe uh, SSD drive for that slot. But I think if I did that with every all my files as they are on my, in my work files, I would have to divide them up. I think a little bit, I know you can uh, combine two hard drives on your, PC to make one volume. Uh, I don't even if I did that and kept my work files as they are, I would still be running out of space because I would have all of my life and all of my work files on those two terabytes that I would have on of SSD storage in the computer itself. So I would still be pushing it, you know, and things would still be growing pretty rapidly. So I don't, yeah, and I don't want to necessarily divide them up. Anyway, because there are files that I work with that have dependencies on other files, you know, there's a lot of links and and things that would be broken from Illustrator files and InDesign files, uh, or like if I use a product photo in a flyer or something to that effect, uh, that that photo is linked to another file on the hard drive, so I don't, you know, obviously I can't can't break up my work stuff necessarily. Um, I might look at deleting a bunch of the work stuff just because. It is, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a ton of extraneous data on there. Uh, I do have everything backed up. I run backups regularly using <laughs> the, not automatic backups, but I do use the SyncToy tool, <laughs> which I believe is the Microsoft tool. It's been around for a long time, but it just works well for me. Uh, like I said, I don't run it all the time. Or I should say I run it all the time, but I don't, autom- it doesn't automatically run. But yeah, so there is the option of, of deleting a lot of stuff off of the uh, out of my work folders you know and kind of paring it down and and cleaning that up a lot but and because over the years really I don't I didn't wasn't really in the mindset of deleting anything you know anything I created anything I touched anything I wanted to put on there I just did you know I didn't and and honestly over the years uh, you know it's like a lot of that stuff you just don't touch it anymore so I think I it's one of those maybe I potentially could back it up onto another hard drive, and then, you know, paired everything down, and then just keep keep a a leaner hard drive. Uh, But I mean, with everything at a terabyte already, it'd be, I just can't imagine that there's half a terabyte of stuff, you know, because I'd like to have a half a terabyte of a breathing room on my, my work hard drive, at least, you know, for growing. Uh, So, I just can't believe that I'll be able to delete half a terabyte. So it's going to be difficult to find a solution that's internal for my laptop. So I may end up just moving all of my life stuff onto the main laptop and then moving or just keeping the work stuff on that external two terabyte hard drive. Uh, That way I'll have you know, an extra 470 gigabytes of space for my work stuff on top of that 300, so I'll have about seven. Well, just call it 700 gigabytes of extra space on that hard drive, to, or of space to grow. So while I was actually starting to research some of this hard drive stuff, or you know, solutions for what I could potentially do, I also was looking at the SD card slot on the on the X1. Uh, that, you know, is maybe using that as a little bit of extra storage for something, you know, and keeping something away from the main hard drive or the second hard drive, that kind of thing, uh, because I don't use it very often. And so the, the SD card slot on the X1 Extreme is actually really nice. And it actually kind of lends itself to use it as extra storage or, you know, a more permanent quote unquote solution. And because it, you can put the full size SD card in it and it will act, you can actually push it all the way in and it will click in and it'll be flush with the side of the laptop. So it's not sticking out like a lot of SD card readers do on laptops, which, like I said, that I think they actually maybe kind of intend for people to add a little bit of extra storage that way, which is really nice. So that's part of, uh, again, part of why I, I thought, you know, maybe I could do a 256 or a 512 gigabyte. SD card, full size SD card in the side and I actually posted on the whatever works group on Miwi about this because I wasn't sure about the stability or the reliability of actually using that of using an SD card as kind of uh, another hard drive, you know, for a long term. And so yeah, I got some feedback already and not long after I posted it. Uh, One um, almost immediately from Ted Sam, and he said he's had no problems with doing that sort of thing. He says he uses a, uh, he actually used an SD card the same, the sort of the same way as a more long term solution on one of his laptops. He said he wasn't lucky enough to have it, uh, you know, the card go all the way in. He actually had it sticking out for a while, so it wasn't exactly a seamless experience. And then he said he also uses a a flash drive on his Surface to uh, to sync all of his Google Drive stuff. So. Yeah. And he says he hasn't had any problems with it. And then Ian Barton on the, whatever works post that I posted said he has uh, used an SD card in his Dell and for a year for almost a year or over a year. I can't remember, but either way uh, for that's to me, that's long-term or at least a good data point. And he said he hasn't had any problems with it. He backs, has stuff that gets backed up to it. And, uh, in my case, I think I would be, using the SD card as the main part and then backing up the SD card. So uh can be the reverse of what he's doing there. But uh good to see a data point where it's lasted for for a year. And then Chris Kelly actually chipped in too and he said he's used an uh one twenty eight gigabyte SD card in his Chromebook for about eighteen months with no issue. So again you know it's uh, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of positive input about the fact that you can use an SD card you know for a little bit longer term storage on your laptop if you need it. So that's uh yeah it's it's kind of encouraging. I don't again, I don't know how that will play into how I divvy out all this storage, but uh, it's, it's nice to have that option. And I think I actually kind of remember seeing SD card options like this in the past, where they were like a a more short version of the SD of an SD card. Uh, I think they may have been for like a MacBook or something like that, where you could put it in the side and essentially to it's a shorter card, so it doesn't stick out like, like other SD cards do. And it's meant to be used as a, a, you know, expanded storage, more permanent storage for your, for your computer. So But yeah, I appreciate everybody feeding back on that on on Miwi. I'm going to keep my eye out for anybody else. And if you've actually had experience, if you're listening and you had experience uh, using an SD card in a in a laptop or desktop as uh you know to expand your storage more long term, uh, let me know how that went for you. Uh, Like I said, I didn't know the reliability would be that good, you know, because I know there's sometimes can be formatting issues and stuff with SD cards and and stuff like that. I don't know the longevity was in question. I never really have tried anything like that so um uh, any feedback is appreciated I'm glad to <laughs> glad to to get some feedback on it cuz it you know kind of gives me encourages me to potentially be able to use that as an option in trying to find some solutions here so we'll see uh, I'm going to keep thinking on this and seeing what my what my options out there are you know I definitely think I want to put uh, another terabyte PCIe SSD drive into this X1, uh, just because then I can max that out. <laughs> it might as well, right? Uh, I don't know if I'll do it now. But uh, you know, for the future, I think it would be worth looking at. But yeah, leave any feedback at pixelswim.com or email me or get in contact if you've if you've uh, gone through this. All right. So let's wrap things up for today. I think I've jabbered on enough and talked about enough things today. So I appreciate everybody tuning in like they like you usually do. If you usually do. If this is your first time, welcome. (laughs) I don't know how many first timers I have, but uh, I appreciate everybody who's followed along up to this point. Episode 60. That's a nice round round number. So I'm glad to be here for that. But yeah, visit pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links. And if you want to leave feedback on the show notes page, it's always appreciated or just reach out in any way, any way that you can, that you can (laughs) or any way that you see fit. I'm I'm more than open to to feedback, positive or negative. So uh, again, that's at pixelswim.com. But yeah, thanks for tuning in and have a great afternoon or evening or or summer, or spring, or whatever it is here in Valparaiso. I don't know. It can't make up its mind, or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again, and Godspeed.